0: Welcome to Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people at Summit Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We gather each week in the heart of St. Paul on Historic Summit Avenue, where our mission is to create rhythm, opportunity, and location where people like you can have life-changing experiences with God. Our podcast is one of those locations. As followers of Christ, we are doing our best to be on mission, disciple others, deliver hope, and champion this city. At any point in your journey with us today, if you want to take a next step, or you just want to stay in the loop with everything going on at Summit, just grab your phone and simply text the phrase, BE KNOWN, all one word, BE KNOWN, to the number 651-360-2908. We will send you a short form that makes it super easy for you to complete. There's always new opportunities to mention and new ways that you can get involved. One of the rhythms that is important to following Jesus and important to us at Summit is studying Scripture. As we study the Bible, we can have one, hope, two, find guidance, three, be corrected, and four, receive truth into our lives. Listen in and lean in with us wherever you are, open up God's Word, and hear this week's message.
1: Next couple weeks, we're going to be going through some stranger things in the Bible. There are all kinds of things in the Bible that make make you go, that's in there? If you've never read the Bible cover to cover, I would recommend it, but I also would recommend doing it with some sort of concordance because there are things in the Bible that that are not G-rated. They're not PG-rated. They're R-rated, and they're literally like, what in the world? Why And so I want to take a stab at some of these stories uh, of stranger things in the Bible. There is a Netflix TV show that you may or may not have seen. You don't need to watch it. Um, I'm not endorsing it. I'm not telling you to watch it. Some of you absolutely love it. Um, You know, use your content as your uh, self would guide. It's, uh, It's not a show for kids. This is for sure. But there are strange things in the Bible. There's strange things in the world. I mean, there's strange things in nature. You watch a Discovery Channel, and I guarantee you, you watch it long enough, you will see a bird that you didn't know existed your entire life. You will see an animal interacting with another animal, and you'll just be like, that happens? Really? There's so many strange things in, in life. There's strange things in my marriage with Danielle. She has a list of them, and they're generally about me. There's strange things in science. We've got this color that we've made. It's Vanta black. Don't even Google that on YouTube. You will get lost in the rat hole. And it's like this. It's 99.9% absorbs all the light and it's it's, it's the closest thing we got to looking into a black hole. Speaking of black holes, there's strange things in space. The more we explore space, the more we realize we don't know. We don't know... We know more about space than we do about the ocean. Or excuse me. Yes, that's right. We know less about the ocean than we do. It's, there's strange things on this earth. And there are things that God, I think, has revealed to us that we will just never figure out. And we've got to rest in that tension that we're not going to science our way out of this. We're going to have to just rest in the fact that some of these things are just unknown. Some of these things are just strange. Now, I'll ask a couple examples. Why does fat chance and slim chance mean the same thing? Shouldn't that be different? Why do we park on driveways and drive on parkways? Think about it deep. Why are there locks on gas stations that are open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year? You ever think about that? That's a strange thing. Why does your nose run and your feet smell? That's so stupid. <laughs> you can use that one. That's, that's borderline dad joke. Go to your Bibles if you have them. If you don't have them, we'll get you one. Or stay at a hotel. 2 Kings 6. Second Kings 6, verse 1. I'll give you a chance to flip there. And you know what? If you use your phone, it's cool. No problem. Use your phone. You're techie. That's awesome. But can I encourage you in something? Just on Sunday mornings, put a Bible in your car, and you use your phone all week. But when you come in here, just use the Bible. You'll, you'll love it. You'll absolutely love it. Flipping through the pages, writing in the margins. Here we go. 2 Kings 6, verse 1. Now the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See the place we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan, and each of us get there a log, and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he said, I will go. So he went with them. And they came to the Jordan, and they cut down trees. But one was felling a log. His axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he, Elisha, cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand and took it. Strange thing in the Bible about floating axe heads. Now this is one of my axes. This is a steel axe. They make chainsaws. Best chainsaw in the world. Changed my mind. This is an amazing piece of equipment. I use this often at my house. Um, I carry it around when I walk up and see if my kid's laundry is done. But I actually know that some of you have gone throwing axe heads. That was a thing for a while. Like, you could go throw axe heads at like a, you know, an actual establishment, and there's like this thing called an axe whatever, and you could chuck axes at wood targets. If you've never done it, it's absolutely a blast. I got into it, really into it. Like... I got into it where I was doing like full running tomahawk throws. I had a video I don't want to show you because most of them missed. And then the one that hit, it was like, dude, perfect. But you need to see one of the axes that I have. That is my throwing axe for competition. It's in a box. My back hurts holding this. This axe has my name on the handle. This is an old-school tomahawk, and this axe flies through the air with such stinking precision. Um, Pastor Bill, hold your Bible up. It's in the car? You're using your phone? Okay. (laughs) But there's something about an axe head that's heavy. It's It's going to fall and it goes in water, it's, good, it's not going to float. So this is a strange thing in the Bible. Let's talk about this. First of all, uh, let's try to understand the position of this text. If you go back to 2 Kings chapter 2, just flip over a couple pages, you got to know that there's a guy named Elijah and Elisha, and Elisha. Elijah is first, Elisha. Second. Okay. So 2 Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about, verse 1, when the Lord was about to take Elijah, H, up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Gilgal. And Elisha said to Elijah, Please stay here. Verse 4, Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here. Then Elijah, verse 6, said to him, Please stay here. And when they crossed the Jordan, by the way, Elijah, H, took his cloak, snapped the water, and then the waters part. They get across the Jordan. In verse 9, when they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I should do for you before I'm taken. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I'm being taken from you, it will be so for you. So in 2 Kings verse 2, you got this guy, Elijah H, handing off to Shah. And he asks him for a double portion. He says, whatever you've done, I want to do it, but like twice as much. And this happens as he sees them. And then what happens in Scripture here is we get the chronicles of Elisha succeeding Elijah. And we've got all these stories that are demonstrating this double anointing. So he asked for this double anointing, and he gets it, and then we get these stories that prove it. It's like the proof is in the pudding. And so you you read about the bears coming out of the woods, eating 42 boys, you read about Moab against Israel in chapter three and everything that happened there, the widow's oil, the Shunammite woman, or Shunammite woman. You read about how he raised her son from the dead. He purifies this deadly stew. You get to the fact that you get to uh, Naam's leprosy. You, you, you see this power, this double anointing displayed chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, and we finally get to Second Kings 6. And this is another one of those stories in that procession of having him display this double anointing. Is, is that clear? Because it's important to understand the context here. This is a story of the stories displaying his double anointing. That's first important to note. It's like that commercial, um, it was big in the early 90s for sure. I saw it 100 times if I saw it once double mint gum. First of all, who made single mint gum? Do you know what I'm talking about? They always had commercials with the two twins and they're always like putting it in their mouth and they like fold it over there. You know what I'm saying? This is delicious. That gum is crap. It wears out in literally 30 seconds. You unwrap it and it has no flavor. Double mint gum, it should be it should be like no mint gum. But the point is, is that double mint or that double anointing is really what we're seeing here. Now, there's another thing you need just to to note um, that this portion of Scripture is also pointing then to what is happening here in number six, which also points to Matthew 17, where Jesus is on this mountain of transfiguration. Let me explain. Let's go back to 2 Kings 6 first real quick. Second Kings six verse one. I'll just flip there in your Bible, get there on your phone. So you've got the sons of the, the prophets here that are going to build a house. The sons of the prophets, the people that are at prophet school, said to Elisha, See the place we dwell under, verse one, is too small. It, we don't we're not fitting. Nobody can fit in the hot tub. Okay? It's a for-profit tub. That was funny. And so let's build something bigger. Let's make something larger to hold everybody. Flip in your Bible to, to Matthew 17 real quick. We see this again in the life of Christ, and it's important to note. I'll flip there, too, so I don't have it marked. Matthew 17, 1 through 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up the high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like light. And behold, who appeared to them was Moses and Elijah, talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I'll make tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one so we can fit all these prophets in. And so they're trying to build a house that's large enough to do what God's doing. And can I just say something in my spirit that sparked in me about our story here at Summit? I think God's doing something special here in St. Paul. And if we come together and we choose to build the atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven, we're going to see people's lives changed. We're going to see marriages healed. We're going to see addictions broken. We're going to see people that are homeless find a home and a path. We're going to find places to feed people, and they might be hungry some days, but they're going to have the bread of life. We're building something that is bigger. You can clap for that. That's a good thing that jumped out to me off the page. What you need to know in this specific part of Scripture here, the one said to them, I'm going to go, and he says, as he's felling a tree or a log, his axe head fell off the water, into the water, and he cried out, my master, it was borrowed. I just got to say, um, listen, small things matter to God. Do you know that? This 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 guy who borrowed this axe head, it falls into the water. Big deal. I mean, for us, big deal. Just go, just go get another one. But it's borrowed. Take note of that. But this little tiny piece of iron, well into the Iron Age, probably had a lot of value at that time. Not only that, it was borrowed. I want you to know that in our context, as we project this text forward, it's important to understand its value, but it's important to understand its, it's the very thing that we devalue. Like when you read about an axe head being lost, who cares? Go to Walmart. They're 20 bucks. Small things matter to God. Small things in your life will wreck your life. Small things in your life that grow into great big things will actually move your life forward. It depends on what it is and where it is. But I want you to know that those small things matter. If it matters to you, it matters to God. He cares about the details about your life. Sometimes I feel stupid praying for some of the small things. But the truth is, is like people's goldfish, it might just matter to them. I had a friend that recently lost a dog. And I know if anyone has ever had an animal like a dog, you could mourn them after they're gone. They become a part of your family. Cats, too. I hate cats. I have five of them. (laughs) But the truth is, is those things become a part of our lives. And when we, like, just discount those small areas, I want you to know God cares about the details. He cares about the small things in your life. They matter to God. If it matters to you, it matters to him. This is so important to note. I feel like sometimes we, we bring, like when we went through the Lord's Prayer, we bring these big things to God, and he's like, I actually care about the small things because the small things actually grow into big things. The mustard seed is this tiny little thing that grows into this big, huge thing. Small things matter to God. After the axe had fell in the water, he says it was borrowed. Put that on the back burner, like I said. And the man of God said, everybody say man of God with me. Ready? One, two, three. Man of God said, where is it? Where did it fall? He didn't panic. He didn't freak out. He didn't worry about it being borrowed. He just said, where did it go? Where did it fall? He takes a stick, throws it in there, and he makes the iron float. I want to live like that. When I'm face-to-face with tragedy or circumstance, I want to live an audacious faith. I just want to ask the question, what's the problem? And move forward in Christ with the answer. You have a choice. There are three faiths. There are three faiths that exist. You can write this down if you'd like, but number one is an acceptance faith. Some people live there. The X head goes into the water, and it's just the way it is. A person gets diagnosed with cancer, it's just the way it is. I have this circumstance, or this happens in my life because of my choices that are leading me in this. It's just the way it is. We have an acceptance faith. We accept it at face value. We just go, it's the way it is. There's nothing we can do about it. We're just going to accept it and walk in it. That's one faith. And if you're looking at how the temple's constructed, I would say that's the outer court mentality. But there's another faith. There's an active faith. The axe head falls into the water just chuck this right in there. (laughs) But I don't think I'm going to be able to make it float later. Um, But he can. There's an active faith that says, you know, it's the way it is, but God could do something about it. That's an active faith. You you have something that happens in your life. You're face-to-face with the circumstance, and you go, okay, this is how it is, and God can do something about it. That's an act of faith. That's a great place to live. But I don't even want to stay there. I want to live an audacious faith. There's a third place. So outer court, maybe in the temple, inner court, and then there's the Holy of Holies. There's a sacred space. The axe falls in the water, and this isn't the way it should be, and God will do something about it. That's an audacious faith. When you see the kingdom of hell warring against the kingdom of heaven, this isn't how it's supposed to be. And God will do something about this. That's an audacious faith. There's a boy in our church, uh, he comes for prayer every, uh, every Sunday right here, and he's living an audacious faith. If you don't know his story, I would encourage you to talk to Andy or his, his mom, Molly, and just ask him the story because I see that little boy get prayed for every Sunday and he's living an audacious faith. It challenges me every week to live like that. You know, that's the miracle that's happening in Malachi's life. I don't know what will happen in the end or what. I do know he's healed on the other side of heaven without a doubt. But on this side of heaven, you know what the miracle is? He gets to stir the audacious faith in every single one of us as every week he responds with this isn't how it's going, it should be and God is going to do something about it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That is an audacious faith. This is what Elijah Elijah, responds with. He says, where is it? He cuts a stick. And by the way, I don't want to get too far into the backstory of sorcery and how they would use sticks as wands or like as like people that would would be sorcerers and they'd have a staff and they would use the staff, but they would never let go of the staff because he actually didn't hold the stick that he made, the staff that he made. He actually threw it, which is not what you're supposed to do. And this axe head floats. Live in the audacious faith. So just by question, before we move to our fourth point, I just, I gotta know. Like, number one, what have you been asking God for? Are you asking Him for for single mint gum or do you want double mint gum? Because Jesus shows up and He's triple mint gum. What are you asking God for in your life? Are you praying small prayers and getting small results? It's because you're praying small prayers. We have a big God who can do anything. And the question is, what are you asking him for? A single portion or a double portion? I'm asking you that question. And you need to ask yourself that question. God loves to stack up the odds against him and move in at the moment where he shows off. second thing is just simply, you know, what are the small things that you've discounted in your life that you have not been giving to God? What are the things that you look over and you go, God, God don't care about that. He's busy. What are the small things that you have not asked for, given for, pleaded for, put at his feet? What are the little things that, that you think don't matter that actually do matter? And what faith are you living? Where are you in your life? Are you, are you accepting? Are you active? Or you are audacious? Where's your faith? These are good questions for us to sift together as a family. These are good questions for us to ask the Holy Spirit to help us move forward in. Last point I just want to make about this strange story in the Bible is just this. The axe head, when it fell into the water, it was borrowed. And Katie, as you just come to the piano, I just want to close our service. The axe head is borrowed. Have you ever borrowed something and then you broke it? Show of hands, how many of you ever borrowed somebody's car and you got into an accident? Raise your hand. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. How many of you have ever borrowed uh, someone's kid and you lost them? It's happened to me at the Mall of America. When, when Joel hangs out with Xavier, Alex, and Angela's kids, sometimes I don't see Joel for four or five days. <laughs> Sorry. Have you ever borrowed something and you lost it? And there's this deep remorse or this, there's this seed of anxiety or there's a little bit of panic. I want you to know that this axe head was borrowed. And this is a tool. This is a tool that they were using to build a house. This is a tool that they were using to make something with. And can I encourage you all in this last point of this strange story in the Bible? Two words. Be you. Be you. God has made you so amazing. He's put you together by hand. He spoke the world into existence, but he took the time to knit you. Knitting takes a long time. Just be you. Your gifts are needed. Your talents are needed in the kingdom of God. Just be you. Just walk in who you are. Don't be somebody else. We actually don't like the version of the fake you. We want the real you. Stop living behind a mask of like, Of perfection or start looking at people's, you know, highlight reel on their Instagram and wishing that was your stinking life because it's not your life and there is a purpose in your life that has nothing to do with their life. Be you. Just be you. Just walk in who you are. Walk in everything that God's made you, everything that you're becoming in him because it's a beautiful portrait on display and he's not done with you. He's creating something in you. And if you borrow someone's anointing, if you borrow someone's gifts, if you borrow someone's tools, you will never build what God has for you to build. You will lose it and you will have that remorse and you will have to go to the authentic to bail you out because you're living a life where there's two different paradigms. There's the real you, the one that's like here, and then there's the fake you that's over here, the one that's here. And the greater the division between the public self and the private self, the greater the weight in burden. But the shorter the distance between the public self and the private self, the greater the weight in value. Be you. I am who I am on this stage and off this stage and with my kids and my family. Ask anybody in this church that knows me personally. I am not pretending the best I can with all the grace God's given me. I'm trying to live an authentic, true, real life, transparent, available, humble for the right reasons, because I don't want to live in the weight of, of, of burden of trying to be pastor Eric all polished up and Hey, how you doing? I'm made of plastic. Yeah, I don't have anything going on ever. I don't deal with, uh, anxiety. I don't deal with stuff I'm dealing with. I'm fine. I'm doing great. This public self and then this private self. That's why sometimes when you talk to me in the lobby and I don't always feel like I'm, I'm like, like, cause I'm not putting on a show for you. I'm not here to perform. And that's what you got to do too. You just got to be you. And can I just encourage you in this? The word says to, to, to bear one another's burdens not just broadcast your burdens with one another and can I just simply say that, that, that when you are you help each other bear those burdens be careful just to completely broadcast those burdens does that make sense to you when you just come into church and you just like start dumping my, on me in the lobby I'm just like what do I do with this I just wanted a donut I've got four baptisms to do Bear one another's burdens. Ask for help. Say, hey, what, what, how, how would you handle this? How could I navigate this? You just might find someone in this church that's wiser than me. I'm 44 years old. I don't know Jack. Be you. Be you. Is that, is that clear? Live in the authentic. Live in that space. Just be who you were created to be. Keep making yourself humbly before Christ, more like Christ. And that is a beautiful thing on display. Don't borrow axe heads. Don't borrow tools that someone else is building their life. I'm not interested in what the churches are doing over here or there from the perspective of like, how do we copy paste? I want to see a miracle here. I want God to breathe fresh things here. I want the authentic, I want the move of God here, not the copy-paste of organized religion. Does that make sense to you? So just be you. Walk in that. Ask yourself these questions today as you go. What have you been asking God for? Single portion? Do you want that double mint gum that runs out in 30 seconds, or do you want the Jesus triple mint gum? Be bold in your prayers. The second thing is, is ask yourself, what are the small things that you've not been giving to God? Not asking him to deal with, not, not committing, because you think they don't matter. They matter. What are the spaces and places in your heart where you have been living an active faith and, and you're being challenged to live in audacious faith? Where this isn't how it's going to be and God's going to do something about it. And then the last place is where are the spaces and places where you're living an inauthentic life? And you need to close that gap of who you are and who you appear to be because you've been borrowing other people's tools. That's a strange thing in the Bible. God, I just pray today as we go and we ask those questions that your Holy Spirit would reveal those answers. We celebrate the day that we could gather here together as a family. Thank you for allowing us to be on this mission and on this journey together. Give us the strength to respond to those answers this strange thing in the Bible. Make it clear for us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
0: To help you apply the truth found in Scripture, we always like to ask three questions. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about yourself? How are you going to apply what the Holy Spirit is speaking through Scripture to your life? We hope that helps bring clarity for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people of Summit Church. Join us in person sometime as we gather as a church on Summit Avenue, or join us here at our podcast again, or virtually at our online encounter each week. Before you go, though, Pastor Eric is going to give you a special invitation and share just part of his heart for you, the culture, and a little bit about the people of Summit Church.
1: Hey, Pastor Eric Samuel Tim here. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Let me first say, our city of St. Paul is absolutely amazing. I encourage you to explore all the history it has to offer. And you need to know this. Summit Church has been a part of that history, along with so many amazing churches. Speaking specifically about the people of Summit, well, we've been gathering here since about 1932. And my hope that this would not just be a rich history but it would be our forward legacy. History is a thing of the past, but legacy makes way for the future. So where are we going? That's a good question. Our vision is simple, to see all people of St. Paul and beyond living as disciples of Christ, people full of hope, fully known, and actively loving one another, living a spirit-led life. Our mission is also simple, to provide rhythm, location, and opportunity Where you can have a life-changing experience with god journey within the diversity to do these three things become disciples of jesus to deliver hope and to champion this city that is where we are going that is what we're doing so where are you going maybe that's a good question for you what are your next steps i would encourage you to join one of our monthly expeditions the expedition is a simple experience where you can find out more about who you are in Christ, who Summit Church is, what are we doing around here, and how you can play a part. It's less than a 2-hour commitment for your whole month. We also feed you some amazing food and even provide childcare. So the question is, where will we go? Maybe we're on a journey following Jesus together. And I got a hunch we just might not be us without you. We'll see you at the summit where we prepare for life in the valley.